beautiful Sunday to all of my baddies and gents. Welcome back to another week and episode of Diary of the Bald Baddie with your host, the bald baddie that's not so bald anymore, Joaquila Peace. I hope that all of my listeners took something from last week's episode on mental health. I will continue to push the narrative of mental health awareness because it is something that you've taken seriously and not lightly. I'm not sure if all of my listeners saw, but last week after last week's episode, I posted some facts, statistics, hotlines on Diary of the Ball Baddies Instagram page. On your spare time, guys, do your own research, whether if it's doing the research from what was posted on Diary of the Ball Baddies Instagram page or your own research. It is imperative that you know what a mental illness is, how to deal with the mental illness, the statistics of mental illnesses, and so on and so forth. The reason why I feel as though it's so important to address this is because it is something that isn't addressed enough. So make sure that you guys do your research, not just because I'm saying it, but for your own good. Do your own research. You may be suffering or not even suffering. Better term would be dealing with a mental illness or you may know someone that is dealing with a mental illness. So it's good to be educated and well-versed in that area. So therefore, you know how to deal with the mental illness. So guys, like I said before, during your spare time, do some research so you know about the mental illnesses and how to deal with them. Okay, that's all I ask. Just do it on your own time. All right. Now, before I get into my other announcement, I have to make a very important announcement. It's actually a very serious announcement. One of my high school mates, Kareem Marvin Dugat, is missing, guys. I actually posted a post on Diary of the Bald Baddies page in regards to Kareem. Guys, please repost that post. It is imperative that you do. It's so many of our African-American men and women going missing nowadays, and it's like at a scary rate. It's a very scary rate that all of our African-American men and women are going missing. So if you see or hear anything about Kareem, please reach out to me so I can reach out to his family and we can go from there, y'all. So please, again, repost that post. And if you see or hear anything about Kareem Marvin Dugai, please reach out to me. It is important. Please, 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 please. Lastly, I've created a GoFundMe campaign in efforts to raising money for a toy drive for next year's Christmas season. I'll go into more detail about that towards the end of the episode. So I'll give you guys more of the deets towards the end. But now we're going to get into today's scuttlebutt. As I mentioned in last week's episode, today we will discuss the black parent cycle, what we will keep and what we will get rid of as the next generation of African-American parents. Before we speak on the black parent traditions, I want to speak on a little life experience or a life story or whatever you want to call it, story time of being the younger sibling. Being that I am the youngest out of my sister and I, my sister's 10 years older than me, I've always felt like I had like huge shoes to fill. I attended the same high school as my sister, where she was known for being an exceptional, excuse me guys, an exceptional student and athlete. And basically what this would be called is a legacy, which was frustrating in the beginning because I would often, you know, like, be compared to my sister like I can't tell y'all how many times during my freshman year that I was compared to my sister and it was so like frustrating like do y'all know like we are two different people do y'all know that but I promise y'all by the time I was a junior the comparisons didn't bother me at all like at all it was like a take it or leave it situation I really did not care I was like look 
I don't care about what you would expect of me being the little sister to Shakira piece. I really don't. It is what it is. I was no longer living up to the expectations that the staffs had of me being Shakira's little sister. I was going to do me. You was going to either love it or hate it. It is what it is. That's what it was. So I opened the conversation with that little story to say one of the traditions that I will be leaving behind as a new generation or Generation X. I think that's what I am. One minute I'm a millennial. One minute I'm Generation X. One minute I'm Generation W, X, Y, Z. I don't know. But anyways, one of the traditions that I will be leaving behind as a new generation African-American parent is the comparisons between my children. Now, luckily, I didn't have to deal with that with my sister. Well, basically, my mother didn't condone that in the house, which I appreciate that from my mom. Like she never compared my sister and I ever. My mother accepted the fact that my sister and I were night and day, (laughs) as she would say. My mother would say, you and your sister are night and day. And my mother also accepted the fact that she would have to deal with our different personalities accordingly. And although I've never experienced, you know, being compared to my older sister by my mother, I have heard stories from my peers about how their parents would like compare them to their siblings, creating division and even resulting into jealousy. And yes, parents, you comparing your children to one another is toxic behavior. It is whether if you want to accept it or whether if you know it or not, it is toxic behavior. And I believe that as a parent, you should never make one child feel more than the other or make the other child feel less than, you know, all children should be placed on the same pedestal, in my opinion. And I believe that other parents would agree that all children should be treated equally, no matter what the order they come into this world, whether if they're the first child, the middle child, the last child. Everyone should be treated the same way. But one good tradition that I will keep when I become a mother is teaching my children the value of their skin tone and the value of their life. Growing up, my mother always taught me to use my voice for good, which I have. Sometimes I have to get a little hood ratty with my voice, but for the most part, I use my voice for good. And she always said, if something isn't right, speak up. Don't be mute. And she will also say, you are just important as, because I went to school, let me just say this, I went to school in a predominantly Italian community from like, I believe it was from the fourth grade until the eighth grade. So my mom would say, you know, you are just as important as the Italian kids you sit in class with every day. You are just as smart or not smarter than your counterparts that are Caucasian or of any other ethnicity. My mother always pushed that, like, don't think because you are a brown girl that that makes your value less or you're not as smart as your counterpart she always pushed that and I appreciate that when I become a mother I will also teach my son to protect himself but to choose his battles wisely because being a black man as we all know y'all we're living in it today being a black man in America is an ongoing battle I will teach my daughter the same because it isn't any easier being an African-American woman in America and we live this every day y'all every day our skin tone is a threat to others and we we just we, we just chill like we don't do anything to you know make the others feel the way that they feel towards us if anything we're a bigger threat to each other not them so just being black in america is just like a threat you know and it's sad that we have to deal with that and this has been going on for years millions of years yeah we're free but are we really free though like come on 
being African-American in America is like an ongoing war. But I commend us as African-Americans. We never fold. We don't fold. We are strong. And that's probably why they met. But we're going to get out of that African-American history um, lecture. As a Gen X mom, again, y'all, I don't know what category I fall in. I don't know if I'm a... a a millennial or a Gen X. I'm going to say I'm a Generation X, whatever. As a Gen X mother, I will be open to talking to my kids about their sexuality. I think that this is very important because for some reason, sexuality isn't really a topic that is spoken on in the African-American community for whatever reason. I, I just don't understand. And you know what's crazy? Because in the African-American community, it's like forbidden to have a gay son or daughter. It's, like, forbidden. And you know what, like, freaks me? is the fact that, like, the crackhead uncle will be accepted before the gay son or gay daughter. That's mind-blowing to me. Like, I just can't, like, wrap my head around that fact that a crackhead aunt or, or uncle will be accepted before a gay son or daughter. It's, like, really sad. Like, I, I just... I can't wrap my head around that. But anyways, whether if my son is a homosexual or my daughter is a homosexual or heterosexual, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter to me whether whatever preference they choose. It it really doesn't matter to me because at the end of the day, my child's happiness is my happiness. And as long as the person that they're involved with makes them happy and respects them, we're good and respects me as well. Because if you disrespect my kid, you're disrespecting me. So I really don't care who you decide to be with. As long as they're respectful and they do right by you, I'm, I'm good. You know, and a lot of parents, they just like have this whole thing. Well, what will the other family members think? What would the grandmother think? What would the deacon at the church think if my son or my daughter was gay? Like a lot of people let others' opinions determine what they want to accept especially parents like they're like nah this ain't gonna look good if, if I come to church and my son is gay or my daughter is gay or if my son want to wear a dress to church and my daughter want to wear some slacks it's just a lot and it's really sad that it's that way recently Robin Crawford if you all know whoever doesn't know I'll give you guys a little insight of it Robin Crawford was the best friend to Whitney Houston And she has recently come out making statements or made a statement that her and Whitney were intimately involved. And for those that actually follow the story like me, I'm a nerd. And Whitney Houston is actually one of my favorite singers. So I was definitely on this case. Um, I knew that Whitney Houston and Robin could have possibly been involved. It wasn't a surprise to me. But to actually hear it from the horse's mouth, it made it even better because it's factual. But anyways... Um, The story was told that Whitney and Robin were involved, but Robin got kicked to the back burner because, for one, Whitney's mother wasn't having it. Basically, Whitney's family as a whole wasn't having it, which was really sad because I feel as though, and even the public too, during that time when Whitney was hot, like in the 80s and the 90s, homosexuality was frowned upon. So she had to have this, like, American dream like lifestyle like you have to have a husband you have to be this princess in front of America it was just so sad because that took a toll on Whitney and I feel as though if Whitney wasn't under so much pressure and making others happy and living her life for just her we would possibly still have Nippy 
in my opinion. I feel as though Whitney would still be here. And I say that to say her mother, I feel as though she was a toxic parent. Because if you guys actually watch, like, you know, documentaries or Whitney Houston, a lot of the things that her mom would do would be like, wow, you basically tried to live your life through Whitney. In a lot of instances, she did. And it was just like, wow. And I, as I said, I'm a major fan of Whitney Houston, so I've been following her story. But I feel as though if Whitney lived her life for Whitney, Whitney would still be here. Because honestly, besides Whitney's family, I've never heard anyone speak bad on Robin. If anything, Robin was Whitney's happiness. And if Robin was still allowed to be in that circle, Whitney would still be here, in my opinion, I feel as though. Because the person that she ended up marrying was basically a weakness and just enabled her drug addiction and her drinking and just like causing us to not have one of the greatest with us today. So I just say that to say, parents, let your kids be happy. Let them do what they want to do. Like I said, as long as they're happy and the person that they're with is doing right by them, that's all that matters. Okay? That is all that matters. And I'm going to kind of like jump back and forth from two different subjects. It's still going to be under the umbrella of the black parent cycle. But I want to say that masculinity is also a tradition in the African-American community that needs to be like changed a little bit. And when I say masculinity, I see or hear... I've actually heard one parent, let me not say I've heard a bunch. It actually was one parent that said, I would never let my son be in gymnastics or cheerlead. I would rather see him playing football or basketball. But why? Gymnastics doesn't say, oh, well, if this kid is doing gymnastics, that means he's gay. Or if he's a cheerleader, that means that he's gay. No, some guys really just like flipping around and doing splits or whatnot, that doesn't mean that, that doesn't determine his sexuality or his preference. I feel as though a lot of African Americans have this whole idea like, okay, our little girls should do this and our little boys should do that. I think that that's wrong. And I also feel as though they need to break that because it's already bad enough that our African American men are only good for playing football and basketball. And if it's not that, then they're good in jail or they're good six feet under. You feel me? Like, don't just minimize their, um, how, how can I put this? Don't just minimize their options because you feel like you're going to be judged for allowing your son to be in gymnastics or to cheerlead. I know a bunch of male cheerleaders and they're not gay. So I feel as though it's always ignorance that plays a big part in the way people view things. For the most part, it is ignorance. So yeah, that's another thing that I just wanted to, you know, put out there, the whole masculinity thing. And another topic, well, another tradition that I feel as though I want to keep. Well, for the most part, my mom taught me this. So this is something that she taught me that I will take over into when I become a mother. I'm going to talk to my daughter and I'm going to speak to my son about respecting themselves. My daughter, I'm going to push it where I say respect yourself because if you don't respect yourself, no one else is going to respect you. And I say that to say when it comes for comes with, excuse me, guys, when it comes to choosing your significant other, I know from experience, like dudes look at the aspect of how you carry yourself, how intellectual you are. If you are rowdy, if you want to be seen, 
And it's sad to say, but people also judge you off of the way you dress. Like, it's crazy, but yeah, like the way you carry yourself for the most part as a woman, I will say, because I am a woman, the way you carry yourself, it says a lot about you and it attracts it. Let me not say that it will attract the right one for you. That's what I will say. So as far as me teaching my daughter to respect herself and just, you know, holding her head high, you don't have to be loud. You don't have to be flamboyant to catch anybody's attention. The right one, you will catch their attention and they will gravitate towards you. As far as my son, I will also teach him to respect himself. Now, guys, I'm actually going to say it's you can't you can teach the same lessons to your son and daughter. But dudes are a little different. I know as a mother, I'm going to like just push it like I don't want to have a thousand and one girls in and out of my house. I don't want them calling my phone. I don't want Keisha, Laquana, Monique, Aaliyah. I don't want all of them in my house. You're going to have one person in my house. But that 5,000 different girls in my house, I'm not allowing that. I'm not allowing that. And I also say that to say a lot of mothers I've seen will enable their son's BS. And when I say enable the son's BS, is allowing 1,001 girls into her home or to the into the family. And just enabling it and just going along with it. No, because if my son brings, I'm sorry, y'all, y'all may disagree with me with this one. But if my son brings one female in my house one day and then another, I'm going to be like, yo, I don't know why you here. Because he just had somebody else in my house. So um, I don't know if you're going to take this information and run with it or if you want to continue to entertain my son. But I'm not allowing that. That I will not allow because I feel like. As Malcolm X said, African-American women are probably, no, they ain't probably, we are the most disrespected and unprotected women in America. So what I'm going to teach my son is you are going to, okay, how can I put this? (laughs) I don't matter, it doesn't matter what ethnicity that my son chooses to date. I would hope it will be an African-American woman because his mother is African-American and his father will be African-American and his grandmother and his aunties and so on and so forth. You guys get it. I would hope that he would go to an African-American female. And I say that to say, you cherish that African-American queen. You treat her like a queen. Don't have all of these different women and females in your life because you then are basically stretching yourself thin. You'll never know how to love. And that's another thing. I'm going to not force in a sense, but how can I put this? My love is going to manifest into my children. So I say that to say my love to my son, I will want him to share that love with one, not spreading my love into different pieces and just spreading it. And yeah, y'all know what I'm saying, because nowadays females and males, they have this thing where they feel as though they have to be with more than one person to feel like their love, their level of love is satisfied or whatever you may want to use as the terminology I can't really think of one right now but they feel as though they need to be with a thousand and one peers or significant others to feel complete and I just don't want that for my kids I I really don't that's something that I will not allow even for my daughter because females be fast too I mean like uh uh-uh uh-uh and I feel like it's important for both but for a female it's like a little it's it's a different turn to it. it it's just a different turn I'm not allowing that from either one of my kids, period. I'm, I'm not allowing it at all. So, yeah. 
one lover at a time. We ain't gonna have a thousand and one people coming in and out of my house because uh-uh. Absolutely not. And that will go into the sex talk. Once my children, because I plan on having at least two to three kids, so once my children are, I'ma say 14, 15. That's when we will get into the sex talk. I feel as though a lot of parents fail at speaking to their kids about the risk of having sex. What can be used such as contraceptives when it comes to sex. A lot of things are ignored and I don't think that that's good at all because that's why we have so many 15 and 16 and 17 year olds walking around with big bellies. And no fathers there to support them because we're not sitting down and talking to our kids. I'm talking as if I'm already a mother. Listen to me. Like, I'm already a mother. Like, I already have my three kids. <laughs> but I think it's important that we talk to our kids about STDs, the risk of just sleeping with somebody somebody that you don't plan on being with for the long run. Like, it's very important to speak to our kids or your kids about the risk of having sex it's good and bad, but, like, you have to put into reality when you're speaking of sex. We're not doing pregnancies. I'm not doing that. Contraceptives is going to be the first thing that I'm bringing up. That's the first thing that I am bringing up, the contraceptives. You push for condoms, people, because I'm not going to be no grandmother at freaking 35, even though that the math. The, the age that I'm trying to have kids, is the math doesn't add up. But y'all get it. Y'all get it. I'm not trying to be a young grandmother. You know, so contraceptives, STD rates, and just explain it to them like it's not a rush to lose your virginity. You can lose your virginity at 25. Who said that there's a time limit to losing your virginity? There is no time limit to losing your virginity. But I also want my kids to make a decision that they won't regret. You know, there's so many times that I hear my friends and they're like, yeah, I regret the person I lost my virginity to. That's because you were being fast. And you just wanted to hop on the next thing smoking. I don't want my kids to regret that, you know? And also to be very cautious about who they're sleeping with. And just, you know, paying attention to red flags, you know? So I just want to, you know, talk to my kids and just let them know and not just throw them out to the wolves for them to, you know, figure things out on their own. But I do feel as though talking to your kids about sex and the risk of it all not so much of a bad either people you know mix it up a little bit but just be realistic when you're having these conversations with your kids you know I think that that's very important I'm excited talking about this because I can't wait to be a mom well I can because I'm still a baby myself but I'm excited to be in a mom and my mother makes it look look easy so yeah it just it just I'm excited <laughs> I'm really excited one thing that um I've noticed too, and this is coming away from the whole let's talk about sex topic. We're moving on to another topic. I feel as though a lot of families hold the adorable daughters. I'm sorry, y'all daughterables. I don't know. I'm trying to mix all these words together. I apologize for that. I feel as though families hold their daughters more accountable than their sons. I feel like daughters take on more responsibilities of holding the house down while the sons are being babied. I don't appreciate that. Even though I never had to deal with that, I've witnessed a lot of these, like, topics that I'm speaking on, I've never dealt with them, but I know people, and I have people that are close to me that has 
you know, express to me the things that they have, you know, dealt with under the roof of their families. So the one that actually really bothers me is the daughters being or having to hold the weight on their shoulders while their sons are being while the sons are being baby. I don't appreciate that. I really don't. I feel as though each should hold their own responsibility. It shouldn't be, well, we have two of the oldest. One is a girl, one is a boy. The girl has to cook dinner. The girl has to pick up her um, younger siblings from school while the boy just goes to school, goes to football practice, and come home, and that's that. No. You split that up. You split that responsibility up. And I understand the whole thing. Women are more nurturing, blase, blase, blah. That's a scapegoat. I don't want to hear that. I do not want to hear that, and I'm not accepting it. Male or female, both should be held accountable for a certain and equal amount of responsibility. That's just my take on that. I can't really elaborate too much on that because, again, I've never dealt with that. But I will speak on what I have heard from my peers. And, yeah, I just don't appreciate the daughters having to take on more responsibilities than the sons. So, yeah, keep that in mind, too, y'all, when y'all have your kids or if you already have kids. Because parents that already have kids... You're not too um, old in the business to, you know, you know, have a wake-up call. So this is for new parents, old parents, um, soon-to-be parents, parents that won't be parents until 2048, whatever. This is for everyone, okay? Another lesson that I feel as though the African-American community lacks as parents is teaching our children money management. Financial literacy is so important, people, especially in the African-American community. I know that from elementary school, I'm going to have my children, you know, do their little chores and they ain't really too much anything in elementary school. Like, I'll vacuum the floor, but I'll buy my baby a little toy vacuum cleaner just so he or she or both of them can pick up on cleaning up and just teaching them cleanliness, you know? So as they do their um, chores, I'll give them a quarter. I'll give them 50 cent. I don't know how much the little uh, chips and cookies and stuff going to be at the corner stores and the mommy poppy stores by the time I become a mother. Because, you know, they, they OD now. But when I was little, chips used to be a quarter. They may be $2 by the time I become a mother. But whatever. I'll still have my little, you know, piggy banks for my babies. And the money that they earn from allowance, they'll save it. And if they want to buy something, they're going to spend their money. But what I will teach them is just because you see it doesn't mean you have to have it. Get something that you feel as though you need, not so much of a want. Because that's a lot of times our issues, like, we will rather put our needs. I mean, I'm sorry, y'all. We would rather put our wants before our needs. You feel me? Like, okay, I want those Jordans, but I need to pay my phone bill. So, you know what I'm doing with my money? I'm going to buy those Jordans and I'll just postpone that phone bill. No. No. So at a very young age, I will teach my kids the value of a dollar, a quarter, a penny, a nickel, whatever. It all is a value, you know? And then as they, you know, gradually get older, I'll probably pay my kids allowance from the age of like four or I might even start as young as three until they're like into like middle school. And then, God willing, which I know this is possible and it will come into fruition, they will have a successful and uh, wealthy mother and father. And uh, I want my kids to work for me when they're in high school. But when I say work for me, I mean they're going to work. 
they will work. They will be on a schedule. They will be marked late if they are late. They will, uh, you know, I don't know how I would go about this, but I do know that they, I will treat them as if they were clocking into a nine to five at Kmart or Walmart. That they will. Three times you're late, you're fired, period. I don't care, mother, son, and daughter, working together I'm not treating them any different than somebody I was to apply for me that was a random I'm going to treat them the same way because with that you built character and you build responsibility within your kids you know so therefore once they get get out into the real world they'll know what to expect it won't be oh well you're my son so I'm going to give you some leadway absolutely not absolutely not I'll also teach my kids that if you want something bad enough you're going to work hard for it you know, it won't be, oh, mommy, gimme, gimme, gimme. No, you're going to work hard for that, buddy. Ain't no mommy, gimme, gimme, gimme. Absolutely not. And one thing that I will teach my daughter is to hustle like a man so you won't have to depend on one. Okay? That's something I will be embedding into my daughter's head. Hustle like a man so you do not have to depend on one. As far as my son, I'm going to teach him the same thing, to hustle. Because as the man, you're supposed to, you know, be the head honcho of the house, you know? So I'm going to teach him responsibility. I'm going to teach him to be a hustler and hustle legally, not illegally. Okay? (laughs) Okay? So, yes, I want my kids to be independent. I want my kids to be able to step out into the world and just shut the world down. Just show them, like, I'm Wakila Peace's daughter and son, you know? My mother taught me something. My mother taught me something. So y'all can't tell me nada. Okay, I'm also with that. I know I'm sounding a little cocky, but I will teach my kids humbleness. I will definitely teach them humbleness. That's that on the money management aspect. Now we're going to roll over into our next topic. This is like one of my longest episodes, y'all, because I was really like sitting here thinking about all of this. Like this is something that I am like passionate about talking about. As you can see, I can go on and on for days about this. Now... As an African-American female and being African-American my whole life, I've witnessed myself from my own experiences and from my friends as we speak and, you know, converse and congregate about this topic. We have a freedom of expression and speech to a certain extent in the African-American family. And what I mean by that is, say if there's something that you feel as though that your parent didn't do right and you just say well mom I don't think that that was cool that you did that or dad I don't feel as though that was right that you did that it depends on the heat of the situation parents tend to try to flip it on you and try to make it seem as though it's disrespect when in all reality is just you saying why can't you just fix that and apologize for your wrong a lot of parents try to like say, oh no, you're disrespectful because you trying to tell me this, that, and the third. And I actually just watched a full clip of Black China and her mother. And when I tell you that video made me cringe, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like it was just so sad. And it made it worse because a lot of African American parents are like Black China's mother. And I'm just sitting here like, your daughter is calm and you just jump in her face and calling her this, that, and the third, all types of names. And it's just like, a lot of you parents that are African-American, you all 
well, the ones that I'm speaking to have these toxic traits. And then when it's brought to your attention, you want to jump in the child's face and you want to call them this and call them that. But in all reality, you're in the wrong, you know? And I say that to say me being a parent, I'm going to be open. I'm going to be open minded. Excuse me again, y'all. I'm going to be open to hearing what my children have to say. If I'm in the wrong, I want my kids to say, mommy, I don't, I feel as though what you did was like not right. And it made me feel some type of way. I want my kid to be able to come to me and tell me that. I don't want my kid going in their room crying like, wow, what did I do wrong? When in all reality is me. And I feel as though a lot of African-American parents abuse that power too. Trying to make their kids feel like they did something wrong. Try to be the victim. Like, it's just sad. Like, watching that clip of Black China and her mother going at it, I was just like, wow. I, I, I just, my, I, I, was in dis- I wasn't in disbelief, but I was in disbelief because I couldn't believe how intense that argument was when in, it didn't even have to get to that extent. It didn't have to go that far. But, again, in that video, I saw an African-American mother playing victim when she was in the wrong. It was just like, okay, I can't finish watching this video. I can't. I cannot. And another thing, parents, I understand, you know, you're chastising your children and whatnot, but you need to know when too much is too much. I know all of y'all seen this video on Facebook. This mother got a call from her son's school. She went up to the school and, like, beat the crap out of her son and the way she was talking to him just calling him all types of niggas and like he was a grown man and I'm like this kid was honestly I feel as though this kid was no older than eight and I'm just like you don't know what you just did to your son your son can suffer from PTSD because of this your son may rebel against you as he gets older because of this situation and you did all of that for what and honestly as a Gen X mother to be, I am not going to be one of those parents that raises my hand and hit my kid and do that extra stuff. One mother, even though she was a TV mom, one mother that I promise you, I, I don't want to be exactly like her. I'm going to critique and do my own little thing. But Claire Huxtable, which was played by the beautiful Felicia Rashad, a Howard University grad, She, as Claire Huxtable, was understanding. She talked to her kids and her kids were more receptive of what she was saying to them. She was stern about what she was saying. She didn't have to raise her hand to her kids because what came out of her mouth, they knew mom meant business. And that's the type of effect that I want on my kids. I don't want to have to raise my hand to my kid and then like... Another instance, when I'm trying to hold my kid's hand, my kid's flinching because they think that I'm about to hit them or something like that. That's not that's not what I want as a parent. I'm going to make sure that I get my word across and that my kids understand that what mommy is saying, she means business. And another way that I will penalize my kid or chastise my kid I'm, instead of, you know, hitting them, take away something that they love. Like in today's generation, you take your kid's iPad away, they're going to lose it. They're going to freaking lose their minds. So I don't know what's going to be the next, you know, high tech device when I become a mother, but let my kid have it. I'm taking it away. 
let my kid be a part of any organization such as, you know, Girl Scouts or cheerleading or whatever, I'm taking them out. And I'm going to tell their coach or whomever's over the organization, such and such is going to be out for maybe a week and then he or she will return until they get their act together. I'm not hitting my kids because I'm going to hit them where they hurts. And I ain't talking about physically hitting them. I'm going to get them where it hurts. And they're just going to be like, wow, I ain't never doing this again because mommy taking away something that I love dearly, you know? That's just something, that's a skill or not even so much of a skill, but a tradition that I would change is the whole chest. I'm all tongue twisting and whatnot. The chastising tradition of the black parent cycle is something that I would critique because I feel as though hitting your kid is just too much because some of y'all just be OD like it's just too much and you just be like okay all right all right okay another tradition of the black parent cycle that I would like to change I kind of spoke on it already but I want to elaborate more not so much of the chastising aspect but just being open to your kids the communication I want my kids to be able to come to me and talk to me about how bad their day was and actually elaborating on what made their day bad you know like I know a lot of parents African-American parents in particular a lot of times your kid comes to y'all but y'all be so out of touch y'all don't know how to connect with your kids and I understand because a lot of times when the parents can't connect it's because they're used to just waking up in the morning grinding hustling so they can keep food on the table clothing their kids back the roof over their heads we understand that but parents take some time out to actually connect with your kid understand that a lot of y'all hold the weight of the shoulder the hold the world weight on your shoulder but don't lose touch with your kids because when you do it makes your kids kind of like shy away from you it makes them not want to be open to conversation with you when something is really bothering them hence going back to the mental health awareness kids deal with things too you know they have to go to school and sometimes they're bully and whatever but parents don't just be so stuck on the survival mode come out of that mode for a little bit and actually talk to your kids and get to know your kids and speak to them and understand what's going on in their world because kids go through a lot especially in today's day and age they go through a lot so just be more acceptive and open to hearing what's going on in your kids life so therefore as they get older it'll be easier for them to open up to you because it's only going to get harder once they become teenagers because teenagers they be stuck in their own and I know because I was just a teenager like four days ago but they become more closed in as they get older but if at a young age you start showing them that you are their ears and you are their shoulder They'll be willing to come to you once they become young adults and teenagers and be like, mom, this is bothering me. This is boy done broke my heart, mom. And then you just be like, okay, and be able to give them advice on how to get over it. Or for the son, mom, this girl just broke my heart. She played me out. You got to be able to, you know, connect with your kids, you know? So that's a tradition that I would, you know, want to, you know, tweak a little bit. Because I know that a lot of black parents... Because I've, again, heard from my peers are out of touch with their kids because they're so into the survival mode of keeping their family afloat. Another tradition, and I, I know for a fact that this is something I would keep that my mom, you know, installed in me and my sister, well, my sister and I, I will constantly tell my children how beautiful they are. Because, you know, in society now, they praise the European features, you know, 
and you have to install in your brown babies that they are beautiful with their full lips, their high cheekbones, their coarse hair, you know, our noses are different. So I can't really say all of us have different noses, but just letting them know that their features are beautiful. Their features are beautiful. Whether it's a fat nose, a wide nose, a skinny nose, little lips, wide lips. Well, a lot of us have full lips, so I'm just going to keep the full lips going. (laughs) Your full lips are beautiful. Your high cheekbones are beautiful. Your coarse hair is beautiful. Everything about you is beautiful. And never let anyone tell you anything different. My daughter, I know she, my daughter, she is going to be the queen bee, honey. Okay? My son, he going to be cool too, but... I'm really pushing the whole daughter thing for whatever reason. I really want a daughter first. My daughter, she's, yeah, she's going to be the creme de la creme, okay? So, and she will be humble, though. She will be humble. But I just want my daughter and my son to know that they are all that in a bag of chips. I just want them to know that, and they will know that. And I will make sure from the time that they're little up until... I can't say no more. Y'all is all that in a bag of chips. Okay, honey? All right. Okay. (laughs) Make sure that they know that. Now, I'm probably being... I know I'm being biased. Ain't no probably. I'm being biased when I say that I want my kids to attend my alma mater. Especially because I go to an HBCU. It's so important for my kids to attend this school, but... My kids may want to go somewhere different. Now, I'm not going to stop them from doing that. I don't want to be the reason that they down the line regret, you know, anything. I, I want my kids to be happy. I want them to live their dreams. And like I did, my mother didn't stop me from doing what I wanted to do. So I wouldn't want to stop my kids from doing what makes them happy, you know. But I, I really do want my kids to attend my alma mater because it will be a legacy. I want my kids to be a legacy so bad. Like, (laughs) when I see the parents coming for parent weekend and homecoming, I'll be like, wow, that's going to be me in the next 30 years. I can't wait. We at the bookstore. Oh, this your daughter? Mm Mm-hmm. Yup, this my daughter. Yup, yup. I remember when your mother went here. Yeah, mm mm-hmm, yup. But again, it doesn't matter. As long as my kids do right and do whatever makes them happy, I'm cool with it. Along with the whole school topic I also want to let my kids know that their grades will not define them as a person grades are not everything it is a good feeling to pass and excel past expectations but grades are not everything and I feel like a lot of us even myself I hold my grades at this like level where if I don't get anything higher than I mean yeah if I don't get anything higher than C I'm like, oh, no, this is a bad look. Mm-mm. This is a bad look. No. Mm-mm. But I want to install in my kids that their grades do not make them who they are. It will get them far if they do, you know, get the A's and B's. But I don't want them to be stressed out if they get one C, you know. These are F's I'm not accepting. It depends because I know math is hard. Math. Math. I'm not saying I'm accepting these or F's or anything like that, but I know math is like a struggle. So that I will, you know, that's when I will go and get a tutor for my kid or whatever else, whatever you want to call it. Tutor, me being a tutor, whatever. But yeah, grades aren't everything. They don't define you as a person. So yeah, 
So right before we close off, I got one more thing to say. I know I'm talking y'all ears off, but this is something that I really like enjoy speaking on because I'm excited. Before you know it, I'll be a mom and have my two or three dumplings. And I'll also have me a little furry baby, a little golden retriever and whatnot. So I'm gonna have four kids actually. (laughs) One last thing that I would like to say, black parents, you guys can break your kid's heart. You can be toxic. And I feel as though a lot of times y'all don't take accountability for the things that you put your kids through. You guys are capable of breaking your kid's heart. You guys are capable of having your kids feel as though maybe they're not good enough or maybe y'all don't love them. And that's not good. That's not good at all. So whether if you're a new parent, an older parent listening to this, be open to apologizing and be open to accepting your toxic behavior and grow from it. It's okay to say to your kid, I'm sorry for making you feel this way or I'm sorry for saying this or I'm sorry for doing that. It's okay. Apologize and grow from it. Cause see when you're open to apologizing and you're open to talking to your kid, y'all relationship will flourish more. You know, because it shows your kid, okay, well, mom and dad, they understand. And they are taking my feelings into consideration. So keep that in mind, parents. You guys can be toxic and you guys can break your children's heart. Now, if I'm anything like Claire Huxtable and my mother, as a mother, I got this thing in a bag, okay? I got this thing in the bag, hunty. So I'm excited for the journey I have ahead of me of becoming a mother (laughs) I am this concludes tonight's coffee table talk y'all I hope y'all enjoyed as I mentioned in the beginning of my episode about my high school mate Kareem be on the lookout for him again y'all please repost it is important that you do please repost that post that I posted on diary of the ball baddie Instagram page please y'all we we want to get him back he just had a son too we want him to return back to his family. It's important. I also mentioned in the beginning of the episode, my campaign on GoFundMe and efforts to raise money for a toy drive. This is more than just giving out toys to me, y'all. This is personal to me because I feel as though I have an obligation to make a child happy for Christmas because I believe that every child should have a gift to unwrap, at least one gift on Christmas. And I feel that way because I never went without having more than one gift on Christmas. So I feel as though that this is my obligation to make someone else's Christmas a special Christmas. I will post more info on Diary of the Ball Baddie underscore Instagram page in regards to the GoFundMe campaign. So be on the lookout for that, y'all. Um, Listen, if y'all can donate, that'll be great. And even if you can't donate, please spread the word. It'll help a great deal. It really will. So whether you can donate five cents, 25 cents, it all counts. And even if you can't, again, please spread the word so that others can donate into the cause. It is a great cause. And I would love to see the smiles of millions of little babies just like smiling like, yay, mommy, thank you so much. Santa got me this gift, this little Barbie dream house, whatever toys they have out now, because you know it's different, new generation. But point is, I just want to make someone else happy for Christmas. So be on the lookout for that, guys. Next week's topic of conversation will be about the company you keep. So make sure you tune in next week.
for that juicy conversation. And also, it is always a pleasure being able to have my weekly conversations with my loyal listeners, my baddies and gents. You are greatly appreciated. My time with you was fun, but now I got to run. I have some deadlines to meet. Thank you all again for tuning in to another episode of Diary of the Bald Baddie. This is your host, the bald baddie that's not so bald anymore, Wakila Peace. I am checking out, and I will talk to you soon.